Welcome to the Not All Better Show. I'm Paul Vogelsang, and as part of our Smithsonian Associates streaming series, Inside Science, author interview program, our guest today is author Jeffrey Kluger. Jeffrey Kluger will be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates program August 4th, 2021, and there are more details available on our website. But the title of Jeffrey Kluger's program is Holdout, an astronaut's desperate move for justice. Jeffrey Kluger will be in conversation on August 4th with former NASA astronaut Marsha Ivins. This will be quite a program, really excellent. And our interview today will set the stage for Jeffrey Kluger's upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation. Jeffrey Kluger is a senior writer at Time Magazine, co-author of Lost Moon, The Perilous Voyage of Apollo 13, which was the basis for the movie Apollo 13. He is also the author of Moon Hunters, NASA's remarkable expeditions to the ends of the solar system. Wally Beckwith, model astronaut, is 300 days away from completing her time on the International Space Station. But when a freak accident on board results in an order to return to Earth, she shocks the world and jeopardizes her career by refusing to leave her post. Wally Beckwith takes command of the space station, defying orders from NASA, the White House, and the space agencies around the globe. Her reason? Something terrible is happening in the Amazon rainforest and she feels she must do something. But how far will she go to accomplish what she knows is right? Veteran American astronaut Belka Wally Beckwith didn't plan it this way. When a freak accident befalls the International Space Station and injures her and the two other astronauts on board, Russian cosmonauts who are keen on following the rules, NASA and Roscosmos order all astronauts to abandon ship immediately. In an unprecedented breach of command, Wally refuses to return to Earth, and as her fellow astronauts blast off toward home, the trajectory of her life veers dramatically off course. Hundreds of miles below, the Amazon rainforest is burning. Every day, families are ripped apart, entire villages are destroyed, and the forest, Earth's greatest natural resource, is devastated. Even worse, the most influential governments in the world, including the United States, turn a blind eye as the Brazilian government attempts to commercialize for one sole purpose, profit. As the U.S. As the ISS orbits the Earth, Wally watches the blaze of fires from above. She knows people down there and wants to harness her renegade platform, even if it means putting her career and life at stake. As the clock ticks down, is there enough time for Wally to make a difference? Will she make it home at all? That was author Jeffrey Kluger reading a passage from his new book, Holdout. As mentioned, astronaut Wally Beckwith is the heroine of our guest today's award-winning work. We're talking, of course, about Jeffrey Kluger, the science journalist from Time magazine. Jeffrey Kluger and I will talk about Holdout, his new book, and the inspiration for the book from today's environmental activism here on Earth. We'll talk also about the exciting space programs and how Jeffrey Kluger's science writing background and access to classified research facilities and locales informed his storytelling on Holdout. Jeffrey Kluger also shares moments in his career reporting on space, which has taken him around the globe from the Kennedy Space Station and Moscow Mission Control to the Oval Office and the Gagarin Cosmonaut Training Center. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show Smithsonian Associate streaming series, Smithsonian Associate Jeffrey Kluger. 
Jeffrey Kluger, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Good to talk to you. We're going to talk a lot about your new book, Hold Out. I'm excited to do that. I think this is going to be exciting for our audience. But why don't you tell us briefly about your upcoming Smithsonian Associates program? Um, sure. I'll be in conversation with one of my favorite people and certainly one of my favorite astronauts, Marsha Ivins, a five-time uh, veteran of the space shuttle. Um Marcia and I will be talking about the book, and um, in fact, we are almost related. Uh, her uncle was the long-term live-in boyfriend of my mom, so we like to call each other in Yiddish mishpucha. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's, that is, what a coincidence. That's great to hear. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. I feel almost like we've, we've got a little scoop there, too, Jeffrey Kluger. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope you're well, and your family, too. You, of course, are a longtime science writer, and I want to talk for just a moment, uh, in addition to wishing you well and your, your health, COVID isn't behind us, and you've written about the impact of COVID on the 65-plus age community, largely our audience, as well as the effects of the disease on adolescents, especially on their minds. So now as we're getting close to the new school year, it's approaching quickly, there, there just seems to be even more uncertainty. What, what's the science research saying about children's mental health? And, and in particular, what should older adults know in order to help young people? Well, one of the things that's most important to kids is ritual. It's routine. We all are creatures of habit, of course, but children rely on it in order to find some order in a world that's otherwise entirely outside of their power. Uh, when you take that away from them, when you deny them the routine, the ritual, the familiar day to day, they suffer more than you and I and others would. Now, we all suffer during uh, isolation, during lockdown. We all suffer when we're denied our routines. But children especially need it almost in a talismanic way, almost in a way that, that gives them some kind of magical control over their world. Um, so the best thing adults can do um, is to give kids as much support as possible, which in this case means helping them establish new routines, helping them establish routines at home, helping them establish routines out of the home uh, to the extent that they're able to get out of the home. And also now that they're going back to school, um, helping them reestablish their school routines, which means the getting up in the morning at a certain time and commuting to school and getting home and doing their homework. All of these are muscles that haven't been um, exercised as much in the last year uh, as they could have been. So it's important to deal. It's important to help kids do that. And most important, of course, it's, it's critical to listen. It's critical to listen to kids' needs, and it's critical to listen to their fears, fears they have both for themselves and fears they have for other people, especially the older people in their family whom they know are more susceptible to the virus than, uh, than younger people are. Thank you for that. Yeah, we're, we're all trying to take care of each other these days, and so we appreciate your, your advice. You have reported on space and history and science all of which has been in a nonfiction capacity as editor-at-large at Time Magazine. And your new book, which is getting excellent reviews, I've got a copy of it right here in front of me. I just think it is wonderful. I'm just going to encourage our audience to check this out. Again, the title of the book is Hold Out. Hold Out is fiction. 
as opposed to much of your other work. So how how is your experience writing fiction compared to your 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 day job there at, at Time Magazine? And how much of Holdout is grounded in science and reality versus science fiction? Uh, that's a very good question. And funnily enough, um, it was a bit of a head snapper for me when I saw the book listed as science fiction. Of course, it is science fiction. It's about science and it's made up. So what else could it be? Um, but so much of the book was based on my research. So much of the book was based on the now 25 years of reporting I've done at Time magazine. Um, so much of it is based on the real reporting I've done on the International Space Station and also uh, some of the places that the Time team visited when we were filming our year in space documentary about Scott Kelly's year aboard the International Space Station, we visited the Gagarin Cosmonaut Training Center outside of uh, Moscow. We visited Moscow Mission Control. We visited Baikonur, Kazakhstan, Karaganda, Kazakhstan, Jezgazgan, Kazakhstan. We were all over Kazakhstan. Um, and all of these places uh, feature in the book. So a great deal of the story was actually reportage. Then once I had, then once I was well grounded in um, in the science of, of the space station and in the venues from which the space station uh, is run, then I could spin fiction on top of it. The portion of the book that takes place in the Amazon uh, took a little more fresh research because I'm less acclimated with the Amazon and uh, particularly with the indigenous tribes in the Amazon and wanted to be both accurate and also sensitive to the tribal culture and make sure I captured it right and showed it the proper respect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you certainly are doing that. And and so I wonder, you know, there is this focus on space, but there's also this focus on what's going on back on Earth environmentally. So what what do you what do you want our audience to walk away with and learn from the book? Well, I want in, in terms of the environmental piece, uh, I want our audience to walk away with the idea that um, the Amazon is quickly dying. We are losing virtually one New Jersey's worth of acreage of the Amazon every year. And if we reach the point at which 25% of the Amazon is gone and we're in the low 20s already, um, we could fall into sort of a self-sustaining spiral in which there's not enough of the jungle left to sublimate enough moisture back into the atmosphere to regenerate the rain that then regenerates the forest itself and the forest will then die off meaning less rainfall meaning less forest and you know in the same way that glaciers retreat um, in a sort of escalating cycle because the more uh, the more ice that disappears the more dark water absorbs heat and the faster the ice then continues to disappear we risk running into the same kind of self-sustaining self-accelerating cycle with the Amazon as well in your research for the book, uh, which includes access to classified facilities and, and locales, I wonder if you'd share with us one of the things that, that you learned that, that you just thought was so so fascinating that also, you know, informed your storytelling on the book Holdout. Um, one of the things I learned um, was 
about the culture of the Soyuz rocket. It's fascinating to watch. I, I, I've seen a, a Russian Soyuz rocket roll out. Um, I've seen a Russian Soyuz launch. Um, and there's a great deal of pride in the Soviet Union. Soviet Union. It was built when it was the Soviet Union. It's been Russia for 30 years now, of course. Um, but there's a great deal of pride in the old Soviet Union and in the current Russia um, with the Soyuz rocket. And I developed a certain a certain affection for it. Um, I was speaking to Elon Musk once about the Soyuz. It's a very simple rocket. Um, it was first flown in 1966. And they've been flying it ever since. And I asked Musk what he thought of the Soyuz. And he said, well, it's not much, but they've optimized the hell out of it. <laughs> and um, in fact, they have. It's a little bit like the VW Beetle. If the Beetle were still driving and it just got better and better, but, you know, kind of looked the same. And that's essentially what the Beetle did. It's a little bit like the Beetle of, uh, of rockets. So I came to develop a certain a certain respect for, and even a certain grudging of, not, not so grudging, even a sort of open affection for the, uh, for the Soyuz. Well, you mentioned these wonderful experiences in Kazakhstan. You've certainly reported from all over the world, including the Kennedy Space Center, the Moscow Mission Control, uh, Gagarin Cosmonaut Training Center. Maybe wrap up by telling us, Jeffrey Kluger, what, what, what was your most exciting moment in your career reporting on space. What do you look back on now and just say, boy, I, I hope we have something like that in the future too? I would have to say that my most exciting experiences have been quiet experiences. And those quiet experiences came when I was uh, researching and writing Apollo 13, which was my first book and rather spoiled me because I thought, oh, all of my books are going to get made into movies, aren't they? Uh, <laughs> Great movie. Great movie. Uh, thank you. Um, it was obviously all Ron Howard and Tom Hanks. Um, uh, but I think what stayed with me the most was getting to know so many of the 24 men who went to the moon. Um, there are seven and a half billion of us and a small fraternity of two dozen have ever been far enough away from the earth to see the planet as a as a disk as opposed to as a horizon beneath us. Only 24 have seen the planet as a, a glassy sphere hanging in space. And when I got to talk to these men and got to talk to them about what's called the overview effect, the ability to look down on the earth, and in their case, to look back at the earth and how it changed them, I felt the kind of privilege one gets meeting presidents, except there have been more presidents than there are people who went to the moon. So I, I felt a kind of, I felt a dignity in their presence, their dignity. Um, I felt a little, a little humbled to be in their presence. When, when my daughters were 12 and 10, we went out to Chicago to spend the weekend with Jim Lovell and his family. And even though the girls were young, um, I said to them, look, girls, you may not understand this now, but uh, tomorrow Jim is going to take us to uh, the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago, and he's going to show us the Apollo 8 spacecraft. This will be like Columbus showing you the Santa Maria. 
is try to remember that and please try to appreciate it. So I think meeting these these men has been easily the most significant experience in my career. Well, I I just I got to ask you that too because you you mentioned Elon Musk and you know, certainly we've watched Virgin Galactic, Richard Branson, most recently Jeff Bezos with Wally Funk. Are we are we going to be seeing Jeffrey Kluger going up too in one of these soon? Soon. <laughs> you know what I'm very happy about. <laughs> been so happy not to be invited to do something like because why I would feel obliged to say yes, but I'm a guy who doesn't even like roller coasters. <laughs> Keep me in a one G gravity well and I'm a lot more comfortable. <laughs> Jeffrey Kluger, thank you so much for your time. Of course, Jeffrey Kluger will be at the Smithsonian Associates coming up here August fourth. We're gonna have details for our audience to find out more about Jeffrey Kluger and his new book, Hold Out. The title of Jeffrey Kluger's Smithsonian Associates presentation is Holdout, an Astronaut's Desperate Move for Justice, which will be in conversation with former NASA astronaut Marsha Ivins. Jeffrey Kluger's been our guest. Thanks so much for your generous time. Thanks for reading a passage of the book. The book is excellent. I just recommend it highly to our audience. But thank you, Jeffrey Kluger, for all your work. And boy, this science stuff is, is important to our audience. I, we, we'd love to have you back and talk about this on an ongoing basis. I would love to be back on an ongoing basis or any basis at all. Thank <laughs> you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. My thanks to Jeffrey Kluger for his generous time today and for reading from his new book, Holdout. Jeffrey Kluger will be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates Program August 4th, 2021. More details are available on our website, but the title of Jeffrey Kluger's program is Holdout, an Astronaut's Desperate Move for Justice. My thanks to the Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show, and my thanks to you, my wonderful Not Old Better show audience. Of course, you'll learn more at our website, notold-better.com, but you can find our show every Saturday morning on FM 103.1 KSCW at 8.15 in the morning on Saturday mornings, Pacific Standard Time. The radio show is exciting. It's different from our online show, but it's filled with lots of great Not Old Better Show stories, interviews, and joy. Check it out and remember, let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>